Hey folks, another busy week of politically charged legal news making the headlines. Last week, Nora Danahy, a veteran prosecutor and top aide to John Durham in the investigation into the FBI's Russia probe, reportedly resigned in protest, sparking concerns over the politicization of Durham's inquiry. Meanwhile, the DOJ intervened in a defamation lawsuit brought by columnist E. Jean Carroll against Trump, seeking to take over the president's defense in the case. And the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that people convicted of felonies in Florida must pay all fines and fees before registering to vote, reversing the lower court's decision, which likened the payment requirement to a poll tax. Anne and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, including the newly launched United Security and Cyberspace podcasts, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid.edu email qualify for a discount. Head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a lower rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as part of the insider community. So, Preet, there's another issue that came up this past week, and the Department of Justice also relates to the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice intervened, moved to intervene in the defamation case that's been brought by President Trump against Jean Carroll. And uh, listeners may remember that Jean Carroll, she's formerly a contributor to Elle magazine, a writer. She stated that she'd been raped by Trump in the Bergdorf Goodman's dressing room 25 years ago. While she made this um, accusation uh, a couple years back, Trump denied that while he was president and said that she was lying. Jean Carroll then went on to sue the president for defamation surrounding this. And so the president has been represented by his private attorneys. Now DOJ is moving to intervene. Uh, What was your reaction to that? My reaction was the same as most legal experts, and I think the same as yours. It seems odd and weird and not the normal course. Um, that's before I looked, you know, deeply at the law. The President of the United States did something years ago in his personal capacity, and there was an accusation with respect to that. And then as president, he made some remarks that I don't see how they can be considered part of his official duties as president. And that has to be the basis on which you get the DOJ at taxpayer expense to defend you. I mean, you and I have worked in government. Many, many people are sued. Uh, criminal defendants sometimes file suit, civil defendants sometimes file suit. And because you're doing things in the ordinary course of your official duties, in my office, the civil division would represent AUSAs who got sued and had to face litigation. There has to be a certification by someone in the department that, in fact, the conduct on which you're being sued happened in connection with your official duties. That certification was made here with respect to the president. It seems bizarre that these comments about conduct that happened years earlier as a private citizen could be deemed to be within the president's official duties. I have talked to two superstar former colleagues in the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, in my civil division, you know, wondering, am I missing something? Their view, the view of both of them, was that this was was not a sound argument. That's that the president's making. That the Department of Justice is that made. the president's making. I'll, I'll just point one other point out one other parochial thing. This suit was unfolding in state Supreme Court in New York. And removal means it goes to federal court. And as you said, it's come to the Southern District of New York. In the ordinary course, during the seven and a half years that I was there, that lawsuit and that motion would be handled by some person in the SDNY, maybe alongside someone in Washington, but there would certainly be the U.S. Attorney's signature block 
on the motion and a particular assistant U.S. attorney would be on the motion, there's no such signatory on this. That could mean that Washington decided they want to handle it on their own because they don't you know, trust SDNY and usually we would object to that. Or the acting U.S. attorney, Audrey Strauss, wants no part of this, either because it's overly political or because they don't think it's well-grounded in, in law and fact. It's got to be one of those two things. And that will be noticed by the judge in the case. It feels to me like it is more likely to be the latter that the acting U.S. attorney didn't join, in part because I think you're right. I think Southern would fight very hard to be a part of it. And also, DOJ would will should understand that it the judge will note that the Southern District isn't part of it. It looks strange, right? It sort of raises an issue that you wouldn't want to raise, I think, in the normal course, unless there was a problem. So one of the other things just to note is that, you know, and I, and this has been in state court. The state judge recently opened up the door to for a potential deposition of the president related to this and also said that the president may have to provide DNA because of a dress that Jean Carroll still has. Didn't you think that dress and DNA and president would never have to be spoken in the same sentence ever again. Again. Yeah, exactly. After <laughs> Bill Clinton. Yes. Right. I, I very much hope here, that that would be the case. Look, history <laughs> history rhymes, as they say. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's true. Carry, I, carry, I, I would, No, I was having this moment when I read it, and I was like thinking about all the work I did um, when I did sex crimes with DNA, and DNA stays on clothes for long periods of time. I don't think it was a gap. It, I think like, this one was not a gap yeah. dress. No, but it exactly. But it, the whole thing was going through my my head as well. The sort of parallels, but yeah. So so look, there's the question is sort of why is why is DOJ doing this now? I mean, in part, it's because the state court was heating up, and and really, what I think it is is that that the president's defense lawyers have basically said, look, this is the best possible defense, which is to walk in and say that the Federal Tort Claims Act protects you and that you will be immune. And just to like go a little bit weedy on the law for a second, because my initial reaction was exactly the same as yours. This is 25 years ago. It relates to an incident that has nothing to do with the president's official duties. And essentially, the only thing that the president did was make a, you know, a denial and a criticism of, of Ms. Carroll while he was in office. There are two things to look at. First is is the tort law, and the second is a case that Bill Barr cites. The case law is very clear, and there's a D.C. Circuit case called Ballinger on the topic that says that because we are a representative democracy, officials who are elected and answer press questions while they're in office, even if those questions relate to their personal activity, and could bear upon their personal fitness is in fact in the course of federal employment and can be therefore certified under the Westfall Act. Ballinger related to a congressman who had made some statements about his wife didn't like living across the street from an organization that she'd likened to being similar to Hezbollah, which is the organization that's on the terrorist watch list. And so he sued for defamation. And this goes in front of the D.C. Circuit, which found that the congressman was immune and pointed to the restatement of agency, which is a law that defines the scope of an employee's conduct. The restatement says that basically points out two potential areas that could be defined as within the scope of employment that could apply in this matter, which is one, is the action the kind that the person is employed to perform? And the other is, 
whether or not the action is actuated, at least in part, by a purpose to serve the master, right? Basically, like, that, you know, you're doing it in the course of your em- employment to serve your your boss. And so the question really here, you, you sort of shorthanded it, is, is this within the scope of the president's actions? What I think is complicated is that, and, and why I think that this isn't exactly as I would have expected it to be, is that, you know, your sort of gut is that this is a private matter, relates to um, the president's conduct when he was not in office. But as to the defamation claim and the statement made by the president, it is clear that there are cases that have found, like, you know, Senator Kennedy was found immune when he had a conversation at one point about Operation Rescue, talking about anti-abortion activists. And so it's clear that like a politician's scope of office, like they talk about a lot of things. And so there are definitely examples where there has been immunity that has been found. But I think here, like, I think the president may win this one, but I don't think he should. But the reason I don't think he should win is that about, it'd basically be saying that anything in the world is within the president's domain and anything he talks about is part of his official job. I mean, it goes back to the president having this view of himself as this autocrat and the president being all-powerful. Like, there'd be no line if this could apply to his private conduct. Yeah, we should be sure that we're distinguishing two things. One is whether or not he deserves taxpayer-funded defense by the Justice Department. And separate from that is whether he deserves to prevail in the suit, whether he's immune or not. And those, those are two different questions and they have different standards. With respect to the first question, that's that's the one on the table most directly at the moment. Um, you and I were talking about this before we started taping. You know, often Bill Barr gets asked a question and he talks some smack and he makes, you know, passing references to, you know, to facts that are not in the record. Here, you know, he was pretty strident and made specific reference to that case that you mentioned and to other, you know, areas of law. And you got the sense that he was a little bit more prepared to answer this question. And look, and they do have a certification from within the department saying this is within the scope of the president's duties and you can argue about it. But, you know, as, as when we think about the arguments made by the Justice Department and, and by the president's allies and by the president himself, it is useful sometimes to put them on a spectrum. And sometimes the arguments are ludicrous and ridiculous. Sometimes they're arguable and sometimes they're strong. That last, that last bit uh, is not often the case, but sometimes they are. There's another legal question that I don't know the answer to, but people have talked about it with respect to the question of whether or not the DOJ should be defending the president in what looks like a private suit. And that is, the Federal Tort Claims Act applies only to an employee of the government. The case law is crystal clear that the Westfall Act applies to claims against the president, the vice president, as well as other federal employees and members of Congress. Is the president an employee of the, of the government? And I think that's a, a little bit of an unclear question, or, or the answer to that is a little bit unclear. The act defines employees as officers or employees or persons acting on behalf of a federal agency or members of the military. And, you know, one uh, legal scholar, Leah Littman, has pointed out, it's not at all clear that the president is an employee. The president is the head of government. And if he's an employee, that implies that there's an employer. And who would that be? Yeah, I think that's right. And just to sort of go back to the specifics of, of the merits just to sort of say it this way, I think that there's an argument that the tort immunity statute, 
that the courts have had an expansive reading of the scope of what an elected official's office might be. But I think it's also really important to think about here, we're talking about a rape allegation against him personally. I think it's different if he were discussing a a bill to outlaw rape, you know, a victim's compensation bill. Like, obviously, he's going to be talking about this subject. But what's different is that this is about his personal conduct. And there's no potential argument that a sexual assault would fall within the scope of the presidency. And so I think that there's like a really interesting, you know, politicians have been given sort of wide berth on what statements can can be considered part of their official capacity and what cannot be. But this feels to me like it is beyond the line, both potentially because the statute doesn't apply to the president. And as everybody knows, like if the law doesn't say it applies to you, then the court either has to read it in that it would apply to the president, which it hasn't done before. This has never come up. Or they have to follow the letter of the law as it's written, which is what most courts, in my in my view, when a law is clear on something, most courts will follow the clear language of the law. Yeah, we should make another point. You know, when you make arguments, whether you're a member of Congress or you're a company or you're the president of the United States, you'd like to think there's some consistency in the arguments you make to the courts, even if they're different contexts. You don't make arguments of convenience to avoid liability or responsibility, depending on what the circumstances are, and you argue different points of law. In other contexts, we've seen the Department of Justice advance one position in one case and a different position in another case, and that is happening here as well. Leah Littman, to cite to her again, points out that in this case, with respect to the defamation suit, The president wants to make the argument through the Department of Justice that his comments, even about a private matter, constitute official action, something that's officially part of the the duties of the president of the United States as a supposed employee of the government. In another context that's been fought out in court as well, the president wanted to justify the ability to block people from following him on Twitter, right? And in that case, as Leah Littman writes, The department has argued that the president can block people on the social media site because the president's Twitter feed amounts to purely private speech, not official action. So if it's on Twitter and he likes it and he wants to evade liability, he wants to evade liability for blocking people, it's private speech. On the other hand, if it's about an alleged rape from years before that he talks about and denies, that's official action. Those things are inconsistent. And by the way, courts notice things like that. I agree. And it's also, it, it really does speak to the president's intent, what he's trying to do here. And I agree. It's important to look at um, how he flip-flops his position, really, in order to to gain additional power for himself. So, you know, we've been doing this long enough, and that stories come back to us that we've talked about at some length previously. And one story that we both talked about is the voting situation in Florida. And I think we're both in agreement, though we were former prosecutors, that once you've served your time I hope you like this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast to listen to the full episode head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student to the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community thank you for supporting our work 